I'm always humbled to get to, uh, when I get asked to come back home, um, I'm very thankful for this church, I'm very thankful for uh, many of you all, very thankful for what God continues to do with this church, and personally, uh, I want to thank you as a church for choosing to give your pastor a sabbatical. Um, I know sometimes people are like going, why does he need an extra vacation? What's going on here? Um, but I will tell you that uh, ministry, uh, me personally being able to say that, it has a hard hit on people. And uh, I know that your pastor is using it well to hear from God, to refresh, to make sure that he is the pastor uh, who God's called him to be here. And again, I thank you all for choosing to do that uh, for him. Um, I won't get into it, but I could tell you a reason why it's really important. Uh, but I don't have time to get into all that. And uh, so let's go ahead and start. If you have your Bible, whether that be uh, a paper version or whether that be an electronic version, I want to ask you to open it. We're going to go into Colossians uh, 2, 6, and 7. We may, we're probably going to go a little farther than that. But I want to start right there as we read God's Word. So I'll give you a chance to get there, and then we're going to read Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Here the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Pray with me. Fathers, we come before you this morning. We ask, uh, God, that um, you would go through our hearts and our minds. Lord, wherever it is that we need to repent, Wherever it is that we need to uh, be honest with you, wherever you need to convict us of sin, lack of faith, Father, wherever you need to go and to help us to be thankful and grateful for the ways that you have been at work in our lives, even when we have forgotten, Lord, we ask that you would continue in this moment uh, because you, we know that you are here, but Lord God, that our hearts and minds would be ready to engage you. We would not come today just out of habit because it's Sunday, that we would not be here because it's what we're supposed to do, but God, that we would engage you right now in faith, that we are trusting you, that as you have told us to trust you and to be obedient to you, Father, that you would meet with us, you would speak to us, you would uh, transform us more and more into who we are called to be, not by our strength, but because of who you are in surrender and faith in you. And it's in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. As we get to this point of Colossians, here we read about this, and the title of the sermon today is Faith and Faith Again. Faith and Faith Again. So I want to ask you, how many of you all came to... Don't raise your hand. As soon as I said that, I know it's going to be a dangerous thing. So how many of you all came to Christ because of a good moral code? How many of you came to Christ because you were born into a church and your family were Christians? How many of you became a Christian because of something you did. I hope none of you would have raised your hand because it would have been a lie that you would have believed. None of us came to Christ from our morality. If it would have been morality, Christ would have needed to die. Amen? We came to Christ, or we came to Christ and salvation through faith in who Christ is and what He has done, not what we have done. By that faith, by me coming to Christ and saying, I believe in who you are, God in flesh, the one that has paid the penalty for my sin, and that I believe that you died, you rose again, that you ascended 40 days after you rose, and you are the one that if I put my trust and faith in you, 
you change and transform me into not just this salvation for now, but even starting now, I am transformed in Christ. Do you believe that? John, don't ask questions today. You're just supposed to preach. I got it. No questions. But there's something interesting at times, if we don't watch it, there's somehow, or maybe, you, maybe some, for you, some of you, it's the first time maybe you've heard that. You're like, going, well, I just thought I was a Christian because I was born into it. Well, that's not what the Bible says. And so I pray that you don't just take my word for it, but you be in God's word. But it's interesting because all of a sudden, if we don't watch it, we'll, we'll have become Christians, we'll have followed Christ, and then sometimes if we don't watch it, the next thing we do is... The same way we didn't come to Christ, but we start acting that way. Well, I'm a Christian because I now practice more morality than people. And so I practice on being more moral. Is morality important as a Christian? Absolutely. We're called to be different because of who He is. But if we don't watch it, we forget all about faith and we start going through habits of Christianity. We start going through the motions of Christianity. We start going through just, well, you know, I'm just a Christian because I made a decision 30 years ago and so that makes me a Christian instead of this daily walk of God. What are you calling me to trust you today? What are you calling me to repent of today? What are you calling me to step out in faith today? It starts with faith. It continues in faith. It never stops with faith never stops. The Apostle Paul, as he's writing to the Colossians, here they are, they have stepped into Christ, and then there are some people on the outside that are trying to tell them that, oh yes, you got to the basics, this was Christianity 101, but now you're going to go into the more advanced things, and, and this, is for the, this is the elite stuff, this is for if you're really faithful to God, you have to get into this deeper stuff. But listen to what he says here. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human, human tradition, according to the elemental principles of the world and not according to Christ. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. Now, is philosophy a bad thing? Actually, it's not. That's not what Paul is talking about here. What he's talking about is this philosophy that mankind likes to put out that somehow it's now more about what you're going to do than what Christ ever did. Church, I want to encourage us to think about what the Bible's telling us this morning. What does your walk with God look like? What does your walk with Christ look like? How much of it is based on morality or a sense of, I've been there, done that, or a daily moment of, God, how do you want me to walk with you today? As I am in your word, or remembering this, the word comes back to me, what are you calling me to step into? Christianity is relational. Amen? Christianity is the invitation of God to wicked sinners to become adopted, transformed, forgiven. And that as we trust Him, I am transformed by this walk with God. Now, think about this faith, this trust. I'm not going to go into my testimony. Some of you, if you've heard it, you've heard it before. For others, I'm just giving a synopsis today as we move. But I had a tremendous amount of doubt growing up as a child in this church. I was very thankful that Brother Popham had preached the gospel and that the gospel had been preached. 
But I was a child that had doubt upon doubt upon doubt upon doubt. And I couldn't shake it. And after four years of doubt that I went through, it was one of those moments where God revealed to me. I've never heard God audibly speak. But God, through his word, and speaks at times, that it, like if God's going to speak to you, he's never going to contradict his Bible. Okay? I just want you to know that. Well, God told me this. If it's not in here, he didn't speak to you. That's another voice. Either the enemy or something going on in you. But it wasn't him because God doesn't contradict his word. But I know that God revealed to me in that moment, trust me. Trust me. Because my whole fear as a child was, did I say the prayer right? Did I do what I was supposed to do? Have I made the best moral decisions? Have I done this? Have I done that? Have I disobeyed my mom yet again? Yes. But it wasn't until that moment where God had revealed to me the scriptures where it was, trust me, trust me, trust me. And when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, in who he said he was and what he did, I don't know how to explain it to you other than what the Bible says. I had a peace that passes understanding that came over me in that moment when I received Christ into my life. And I never had a doubt again, ever. I had a peace over me because it was no longer about me. It was about, do I trust that what he has done is enough? And I absolutely trusted him. And I had that moment of peace that came over me. And I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew that I was a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now let's fast forward to it. To where I'm coming up closer on 50. That's a weird thing to think about now. But I will tell you that as God had called me into things through high school and college and profession and marriage and fatherhood and all these things, I ran into a dilemma at one point in time. It has nothing to do with any of you all in here, so this is not a passive-aggressive moment, okay? Do we get it? This has nothing to do with any of you all in here. I happened to be in this moment to where I had interaction with a person. And as I had interaction with this person, I messed up. I just messed up. I had thought I was going to do the best towards this person. I was kind of ignorant. I took not thinking it through and I really offended this person, brother in Christ, offended them. And when I went to go back, I said, I just need you to know, I'm really sorry. I apologize. Like, I take, I take full ownership. It was my bad. And that person looked at me and was like, I would never have done that. Ever. I'd have never done that in my entire life. And I can't believe somebody like you would do that. Now, I want you to know in my flesh, there was a moment that I was kind of like going, (laughs) but I was like, you know what? I was like, you have every right to be upset. You do. I've messed up. What do I need to do to make it right? I just want you to know I'd never do it that way. 
Like in all my time of life, I'd never do that. That was just the most ridiculous thing that somebody would ever do. And so I said, it's probably good. Let's, let's catch up later. Let's, let's talk about it later. But what I was really saying was this, in my flesh was this, I don't need you. I could care less about you. You call yourself a Christian? I don't want to deal with you. I can follow God without you. I'm just going to write you off. I'm going to go live my Christian life. I'm going to go do my thing. I'm going to follow God. And I don't need you if you're going to act like that. Then the Holy Spirit and the Word of God just happened to get a hold of me and begin to talk to me about what it means to the best of my ability. This is what the Scripture says. I'm giving you the Sean version. Make sure you read it in your version, okay? I can get it wrong. I can get it wrong. That's why this is right and Sean. But to the best of your ability, get along with everybody. To the best of your ability, not their ability, yours. Love others the way that I have loved you. This has nothing to do with how other brothers or sisters act. It has to do with what I'm doing. And so I was very convicted because my flesh was like this. I'm done. I can be out. I can be a, I can be a follower of God. I walk high and mighty. And I can do all this stuff. And I don't, I don't ever walk like this. I don't know why I'm doing it. But anyway, I can do that. And I can have this. But I'm going to tell you right now, Christianity is not on your terms or my terms. It's on God's terms. And when God calls me and you to forgive and to love and to reach out, we are called by faith to say, God, I don't understand it, but I trust you. Now, in my flesh, what I would like to do is this. I'd like to sit there and say, i just like to read the passages I agree with. What about you? Have you read this Bible and not disagreed with it? If you have, you haven't read it. You are listening to preachers or pastors that make you want to feel good instead of reading into God's Word. Because I'm telling you, I disagree with this Bible at times. I don't like what it says. I don't like the things that it proposes. But it is always right. And I am called to conform to it. Right context, understanding. Sometimes I take Bible Scripture out of... Anybody take Bible Scripture out of context? Anybody does that? Nobody's going to raise their hand on that one, right? Absolutely. Like nobody's going to... We all do. But church, when we get down to it, what we're saying is this, God, I want to know exactly the right meaning of what you have to say and to alter and conform my life that you are God and Lord, have your way in me. I will say by the grace of God that as I went back to that person later, asking God to do something only He could do, asking God only something He can do, God reconciled that relationship in a way that I couldn't have imagined. God reconciled that relationship. But church, I'm going to tell you right now, even if it hadn't have reconciled, it was right to follow what God says to do. Even if it doesn't turn out the way that I'm hoping, it's always right to trust God and do what He says to do. Because this is the relationship. Christianity is not about just morals or just some idea or just a church attendance or just going through the motions of of this so-called religion. It is a relationship with God that says, I trust the Maker of this universe and the God in Jesus Christ in whom He has set. And I alter my life in trust towards Him. I want to ask you a question this morning. What does your life look like with Jesus? 
Are you going through the motions right now of Christianity or the relationship of engaging God of the things He's calling you to follow Him? When you came to church this morning, was that out of faith or was that out of habit? Because I want to share with you, sometimes if we don't watch it, God's not going to bless that habit real well. Did I come today to church because I said, God, I don't feel like it. I really didn't want to be here. There's a couple people I didn't want to see. It's early. I didn't want to wake up. I didn't want to have to do it. But God, here's what I know. You tell me not to forsake the fellowship. And so God, today I show up to glorify you and trust that you are here. But I will tell you a couple times, I have, if we're going to be honest, I have preached at times not wanting to be in the pulpit. I have at times written sermons that were based out of my knowledge of going through the motions and not engaging God of what He really wanted to do. Church, it's a very slippery slope if we don't watch it. We will go through the motions of religion that's not even Christianity, making it up on our own and not the relationship that God invites us into. Think about this, Hebrews 11.6, And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Think about this again. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Listen to the, what the Apostle Paul says again. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental principles of the world and not according to... Christ. I want you to think about how important trust is that God's inviting you to do. How important that trust is that God is saying, this is how I relate. You trust me, you love me. In Genesis chapter 3, here we have uh, where the Garden of Eden, we have the serpent coming to uh, Adam and Eve. And God has already shared with Adam and saying, like, you can do anything that you want here. You can eat of anything that you want, enjoy this, do everything. But don't eat of this fruit. Don't do it. Trust me. When the serpent comes along, Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Now the serpent, serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, 
and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. There is so much in that passage I would love to get to, but you all want to get out of here. So I get it. I understand. So I won't go into this one much. But there's so much that goes on in this one. But here's the thing. God had already shown Adam, this is who I am. This is what I say. And my intentions and towards you are good. You can do whatever you want. Just don't eat of this. And the first thing that the serpent comes along and says this, did God really say that? Do you find it interesting at times that when you read God's word, how you give excuses of why you're the exception to the rule of why this doesn't, you don't have to follow this? Oh, I never give exceptions to the rule. I'm just going to say this again very lovingly. You're lying. There's all the times that you and I read God's word and we begin to tell him why that's not possible in our circumstance. Why it's not possible. I told God that. I can write this person off. I don't need them to live out Christianity. I don't have to deal with that. I've already tried, God. Exception to the rule. Now, I get it, going back. I know that we can't get along with everybody. It's the best of our ability. I understand there's some scary relationships out there and needing wisdom. But I want to share with you, the enemy always comes to us and says this. Did God really say that? Did He really mean that? Did He really mean that? I mean, there's no way you can afford that if you do it this way. Uh, You just go ahead and cut the corner that way. You just do that. Cut the corner because there's no way you can afford that. Is your paycheck your provider or is God your provider? I'm just asking a simple question. And as soon as you tell me, well, Sean, it's my, I have to have my job. I have to have my job. I think you need to go back to, yes, we're called to work. We're called to do those things if we can. I get it. I understand that. There's even passage in there. Don't work, don't eat. When it's talking about young Christians that we're going through some of this stuff and understanding. But there's context. Because there's another time in the Old Testament where there's a famine. And I forget which prophet it is that's walking through there. Doesn't have anything to eat. Goes to the lady. She's getting ready to make some cakes for her and her son. She goes, we're going to make this last cake and we're going to die. Who was that prophet? Do you remember? We all have a Bible. We'll look it up later, right? There we go. Was it Elijah? Check my wife. She may be wrong too, okay? But we just check, okay? That's why we all have Bibles. Usually she's right though, so I trust her. But my point is this. Everything else in that moment would have said this. You're right. It's over. Be done. Because there's nothing left. Church, I'm telling you, there are times that God tells us to trust Him because when we do, I'm going to ask this question. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, how many times have you run up against something And you said, there's no possible way and God provided. Show me a hand that God provided. Huh. 
That means that my paycheck and other people are not the only provider. God is. Church, there's a step of faith that God calls us to be a part of. There's a step of faith that God calls us to be a part of. But the enemy says this, did God really say that? Did God really say that? Did God really say that? When God has invited us, and there's no reason for us to doubt Him, God's character is perfect. His intentions towards us are right and always for His glory and for our good. And His word, His promises and commands, I don't ever have to doubt. Ever. Think about His character. Is God perfect or imperfect? He is perfect. I don't understand this amazing, almighty God. He gives me just enough to understand that His character is trustworthy. Is character important with people? There are people, there are people that you don't trust because you're like going, I know what they're saying, but I've watched how they act. I don't trust their character. True? God's character is trustworthy. His intentions. Think about God's intentions. Are, is God's intentions to destroy you? Is God's intentions to make sure that you're not happy? Is God's intentions to make sure that you are just His whipping post person? When I got married to my beautiful bride, we had a relationship of, of learning each other and figuring things out. And so we learned dating, engagement, and then marriage of learning how to tease each other and to have fun. Never to hurt each other, never to make fun of each other in front of public, to put each other down. We found acceptable ways to make sure that we were having fun with each other to, to enjoy this moment. And so my, I would make these jokes to my wife, knowing that these were acceptable jokes, and I would sit there and say, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and she'd be like, ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha, and we would both laugh. And then my wife, knowing that there were things that we had worked on together, she would be like going, well, you're da-da-da-da-da, and I'd be like going... I can't believe you said that. Like, I am so... like. And then in my mind, I'm like going, she's, she's mad about something. That's why she said it. She said it in order to get back at me. She can't really even tell me the truth. That's why she said it. And so I would do the most mature thing ever. And she would be like going, are you okay? Are you okay? Let's talk for a minute. I'll talk to you later. Very mature. I handled it well. It only took me 18 years, maybe 15, but it feels like a, it feels like a lifetime for you. I'm sorry. But it finally hit me one day in the midst of my insecurity. God's still working on me, and I'm thankful I've had a bride that's been patient with me. But it finally hit me one day. My wife tells me exactly what she thinks. I never have to guess. She tells me what she thinks, exactly what she means. She tells it to me, straight. She handles things totally different. Me, I've had to do some work through my life. She has too, but she's handled things different. So here's what I know. When she started making jokes a few years ago, and she'd be like going, things we agreed upon, I was like going, <laughs> I was trying to work up to it, but finally I was like going, why can I laugh? Why can we laugh together? Because she's not against me. I could trust her intentions. 
Church, I'm going to share with you right now, some of you look at God like you can't trust His intentions. Like somehow when it doesn't go your way, you're like going, you don't love me anymore. Oh, you must, you just, oh, I just, everything's going bad. You must, you just must be an, an angry God that just wants to destroy me. Church, if you don't know His character and you don't know His intentions, God doesn't punish and doesn't tell you what's going on. God loves you enough to be able to say, here's what I'm doing in your life to build you up, to strengthen you, to discipline you, to come back. But I can trust His intentions. Do you? What's your walk with God? Think about the suffering that you've experienced. Do you trust God in that moment of saying, God, I don't understand it. I wish I didn't have to go through it. But for your glory, I know you're at work. Or do you sit there and say this, woe is me. He doesn't care again. He must hate me. Everything's bad. There's no reason to have joy right now. I want you to think about this. Hebrews 12.2 Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the, the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen to it again, Hebrews 12.2 Looking to Jesus... We, us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We don't think of Jesus experiencing joy on the cross, do we? That's a foreign concept. We get joy and happiness confused, don't we? We think in order to be a good Christian, it all has to feel good. Where did we get that from? Where did we get that from? When I read my Bible, it says, if you're going to follow Jesus, again, Sean Version, check it yourself. Don't trust me because I say it. Read it yourself in the Scriptures. He promises the Christians that follow Him to suffer. Notice that one's not in the big promise Bible book that's been sold in Lifeway at times, right? Like, there are good promises, but that one's a difficult one to read. But it is a promise, right? Can I experience joy in suffering? I'm going to tell you right now, this is going to challenge all of us. Yes. Well, Sean, how is that possible? Because my Bible just said it. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells within you if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus who found joy in the suffering because He knew the Father's intentions were good. He knew the character of the Father because they'd always, always, always had been together. And even in this moment when Jesus took on flesh, going through moments and even taking upon our sin upon Himself in a total different relationship than had ever happened between the Father and the Son of this turning of the face away, yet Jesus still knew the joy because He knew the intentions of the Father. He trusted what had been said and He knew in that moment, even though this hurts and it's suffering, I know the Father is well pleased. And I know He is for me and not against me. Church, I'm going to share with you right now. 
How do you look at suffering? If we don't have joy, it's not His fault. There's a lack of faith within us that has said, God, this situation I'm going through, yes, I grieve, and yes, I cry, and yes, there may be even moments that I'm angry, but there is a joy in this moment that I trust that You are in control of this. And God, You are going to use me for Your glory, but I'm also going to get the benefit for this. Because you're going to look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. This is just a temporary moment. Don't think I've abandoned you. Don't think that I've left you. I am right here with you, my faithful child. Trust me. But I'm afraid cultural Christianity at times, if we don't watch it, doesn't have this concept of suffering. It doesn't have this concept of joy in the midst of all that. We just take the easier passages and we don't allow God to really move into our lives. But He's asking you to trust Him in deeper ways of relationship. Trust. Faith. Walking with Him. Loving Him. Listen to James 1, 2, and 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. How did I come to Christ? Through faith. How do I continue on in Christ? Through faith. What did it look like when I was a child when I came to Christ? I just trusted Him and who He said He was and what He had done. What do I do as an adult when I run into these heavier problems that are not kiddish? Real things that are suffering. Real problems. By faith. It does not change. It started with faith in Him. It continues in faith with Him. It'll go on into eternity with faith in Him. We trust Him. This goes into so many other things, but as I wrap up, I want you today, if you have your Bible on your own, to read through Colossians 3. On your own. Here it talks about the Christian, and it talks about what the Christian needs to die to. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self with its being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator. I am going to struggle with this flesh and with sin for the rest of my life while I'm on this earth, whether I like it or not. But I do not give excuses or permission to keep living that way. In faith, I am constantly saying, God, you want to change my life, but I don't know how to put this to death. And this is where God says, 
You can't put it to death, but I can. You agree with me in faith that it needs to die. I'll kill it, but you've got to put your hands around its neck. We look at our sins like this. True or false at times. Nobody's going to admit to that one, right? Like there, there are sins we treat like pets. And then we feel all bad about it and we tell God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then we go right back to things. We have not yet resisted to the point of bloodshed. We are called for this life by faith to say, God, if it needs to die, it needs to die. And Lord, change my heart, change my desire, put to death. May I repent, may I confess it's sin. You hate it. You died and took it upon yourself. So, Lord, I come and agree with you. This needs to die. Only you can do it. But, Lord, I join with you in faith that I agree it needs to die. It goes on. I know I said to read it. I'm sorry. But it goes on. It talks about putting on compassionate hearts, kindness. Read through that Colossians 3. It talks about the things to die to and the things we're called to put on. When people tell me, they're like going, I'm not a very compassionate person. In the flesh you're not, but in Christ you are. No, no, I'm not. Yeah. Because if you're not, that means God's a liar. Maybe what you're saying is this, I'm scared of being compassionate. Or I grew up with people hurting me. Or I have unforgiveness towards those. But God's saying that you're compassionate. If you're not, it's because you are not stepping out in faith of saying, God, transform me because I don't know how to do this. But I trust that you're at work in my life. You need to love my enemies. God, I've had enemies that have really hurt me. What do you think Jesus has been through? I can do whatever this scripture says because it's the God who wrote it who told me to come follow me. But if I'm just going to stop on the passages I like, and I'm just going to sit there and say, I come to church every Sunday, and I give money, and I make sure that I'm kind to people, I make sure I don't cuss, no cussing, I don't do that at all, I make sure I don't do that, and I'm kind to a couple people, and that's what I do, and then, yes, I'm a Christian. It sounds like you've created a code of ethics. Some of those are coming out that can be following of Christ, but it sounds like you're just picking and choosing how you want to look like the Jesus you're creating it to be. But the Jesus that's calling me tells me I have to die to self and I have to follow him. What does this Bible tell you? Today, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and you're like, you know what, I just, I've grown up in this. My parents were Christians. It's just the right thing to do. And so I was like, I'm going to share with you right now. You're not a Christian until you recognize that Jesus Christ is God in flesh. That He came and lived a perfect life. And that the only way that you can make it to God is by Him laying down His life to be the atoning sacrifice to make up for our sin. And that whoever puts their faith in Jesus Christ, His death, burial, His life, death, burial, and resurrection, and say, God, I give it to You to make me clean and I will follow You the rest of my days. You're not a Christian until you do that. 
And if you haven't made that decision, today's the day that you step forward and say, Jesus, it finally has hit me. You have reminded me. You have told me. I need you. And I surrender. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, today would be the day of the God who loves you that you would follow Him. Two, if you are a Christian, you've been a Christian for a long time, do you need to go to God today? Whether it come to this altar, whether it go across somebody in the aisle, do you need to confess and repent that you have been on autopilot and not in faith in following Christ? That you need to go before Him and confess and repent and begin to say, God, I am sorry. I have not trusted you in the ways you have asked me to trust you. And God, forgive me. And yet again, I will follow you. Or maybe today God's calling you to step out in faith. To do something He's been speaking to you about long before this sermon was ever talked about. God's been dealing with you for weeks, months, years because of how much He loves you telling you to step out in faith and you keep giving Him excuses of why it's not possible. Today's the day that the Holy Spirit has convicted you to tell you, I am for you, not against you. Come, follow me. And if you have been following in faith, maybe today's the day that you give Him praise and saying, God, I couldn't be anywhere where I'm at without you. So I give you praise. And God, I want to give you more praise. Lord, I want that praise to exude when I go into work, when I walk with my family, when I go into places. Lord, I want to thank you for the moments where I was suffering that you were with me and did not leave me. Lord, I want to praise you that in the midst of the suffering of something I did not like, you used it for your glory and you never left me. So God, I praise you. I'm giving you a lot on the altar call. One more. And if you're suffering and complaining right now, if you're a Christian and you're suffering and complaining, like I'm glad we have the Bible because we have some woe is me in there. Amen? Like Thank God that we all have those moments. Like going, thank you, God, that you understand that it's, it's hard. But if you have defaulted into complaint, if you have defaulted into woe is me if you have defaulted into this life's just horrible and you're a Christian God how do I get the joy in the midst of this suffering just as you had joy going to the cross you weren't happy didn't feel good but there was joy God teach me that joy because I trust that if you had it you want to give it to me and I want to receive it would you pray with me father as we come before you today Lord, we thank you again for your faithfulness and your goodness. Lord, I thank you for how much you love us. I do not understand it. It makes no sense to me. Father, I don't understand why you just don't get rid of me, that you just don't condemn me, that you're just not done with me. But Father, you have a deep love for me that is shown in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I pray today for brothers and sisters, Lord, that they would say, whatever you need to do in my life to get right with you, God, whether it's repent, confess, praise, Lord, have your way within me. And Lord, for those today that do not know you, no matter what the age or what's going on, Father, that today would be the day that they would say, I trust you, Jesus. I want to walk with you going forward. Whatever it is you need to do, God, that we would have open hearts and obedience. We love you and we praise you. And it's in the name of Jesus and all God's people said.
Amen.